What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest, the one, the only, Brandon Scott. How are you, man? I'm great, man. How are you? I am doing wonderfully well. We met for the first time at, we've talked on social quite a bit, but we, I guess, met for the first time at KetoCon this past year, right? That's right. Yeah, the, the first time I shook your hand was at the uh, at the Redmond Real Salt uh, party up in Austin. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And we went running pretty much every morning that we were there. We did, man. We we set the day up for success with some uh, little little short five Ks. I like it, man. I like it. There's a lot to be said for getting up early and just doing something physical. I started doing that myself here lately. Just I was training in the morning, but then I moved my training to the afternoon. I've been just running every morning, and man, something like something about that just makes the day flow like exponentially better for me yeah my, my days are pretty similar but i I normally walk during my breaks at work and then i train with my wife at five o'clock every evening so yeah it, it works out pretty well very nice very nice well let's dive into a little bit of your backstory man like you've got a pretty pretty impressive journey uh to keto and throughout keto so just kind of flesh that out for me um so without going into too many crazy details um basically overweight, um, the Husky kid in, in school, you know, um, and I've been through this journey twice now. So the first time I tried the, you know, low calorie approach, no, you know, it was kind of low carb, but it wasn't high fat either. Um, I lost 115 pounds, I think the first time, which was right around 2003. Um, but it wasn't sustainable. I was eating, like I said, a thousand calories a day. Um, it, being on the stairmaster for an hour a day, I didn't lift any weights. Um, and and then so I met, or I got married to my wife. Um, and they just progressively over the past ten years have gained a hundred pounds back plus more. Um, eating this you know standard American diet, you know mindlessly eating every day. And um, so the the biggest thing that that pushed me towards keto was. Uh, my grandma and her being diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which, you know, type, you know, it's basically called type three diabetes. And, uh, mm -hmm. my doctor, my, my doctor looked at me on one day and was, and said, Hey man, you know, I noticed you have skin tags all over, all over the place. And, uh, he said, that's a sure sign of diabetes. And that right there just scared the crap out of me. And, uh, I, uh, I decided January 28th of 2018 that I was going to try keto and stick with it. And I haven't looked back. So, um, lot lost 125 pounds total, um, in the past year and a half. And, uh, that's, 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 that's basically it in a nutshell. And you're still pretty much eating about a thousand calories, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, up, I'm upwards around 3000 now. So <laughs> a little bit more right. sustainable then. Oh, it's crazy, man. I'm, I'm satiated. I'm never hungry. Like when I was eating a thousand calories a day, I was always hungry, you know, I, I was still eating crap food, nothing, no, no nutrient-dense foods like I am now, um, so the sustainability was next to nothing, um, just, sure, I lost a bunch of weight, but it wasn't healthy, you know, just because, just because somebody looks skinny doesn't mean that, mean they're healthy. Yeah, that's, that's very true, man, that's why, like, I get frustrated when I see, you know, it, it's, it's men and women, but a lot of women, specifically, they have this goal to be skinny. And like, I don't even like the word skinny. Like that's just a, it's just like a derogatory word in my, in my mind. Um, sure. you don't want to be skinny. You want to have quality substance, you know? Um, yeah. talk a little bit about what it was like from a mindset perspective to lose all that weight. You said you lost 115 pounds and you basically gained it all back. Like I've had a few people on the podcast that have had these crazy transformations. I think Gourmet. Um, he's lost like 300 pounds and then he gained that all back and then obviously was able to lose it again. But I've got to imagine that the, the mental toll of losing a bunch of weight and then how you feel having lost that and then gaining it back is probably like, you probably are harder on yourself then than you ever were before you lost it in the first place. Yeah, you definitely are. Um, I, I think a lot of that was because I didn't take a, you know, a ketogenic approach to my diet. So I didn't really know any better. I just went off the standard, Hey, you know, less is more, you know, you're going to get more results from it. And, uh, but 
you know, I, I put the I put the weight back on over a period of time. So it wasn't it, it was almost to the point where I just kept digging my hole deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where I just felt like I couldn't get, get back out of it, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the, the hardest part was coming to realization of waking up one morning and being like, holy crap, man, you're in a size 44 pants and you're wearing a 4XL shirt. What are you doing? Like, I had two kids. I, you know, I had a, a family. <laughs> Why aren't you taking care of yourself? And, you know, for, for that, to, to look back, like I was kind of brainstorming my ideas for this, for this podcast yesterday. And I was like looking back at my story and I was like, started to get emotional because of how poorly I treated my family, you know, because that's when you're that overweight, you're miserable. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you got married when you were thin the first time you'd lost the weight, you said, right? Um, I wasn't, I had gained some back. I was about, so when I started dating Hannah, I was about 205 pounds. I'm six foot one, uh, about 205. Well, I call it, you know, we don't want to use the word, but I call it skinny fat. Um, yeah. and then, uh, I had gained some weight back. I get, we got married two or three years later after we started dating. So I was around 240 pounds when we got married and progressively over the, over the next seven years gained all the way up to 325. Oh, and then what, what was, what was she like? Was she gaining weight with you or was she kind of just looking at you like something's got to change? She, she did. We, we kind of, we kind of yo-yoed with each other, mm-hmm. um, diet wise. And, uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was the eat. I mean, we would go out to eat all the time, you know, just go to the Mexican restaurant three or four times a week. <laughs> yeah. Killing margaritas and chips, and so yeah, both of our diets were were pretty poor. And when when did you have kids and all the all the mix? Um, my daughter was born in 2011, and my son was born in 2013. So this is probably three years before I started um, my weight loss journey in 2016. So you were at, kind of towards the heavier end when you had them. Oh yeah, yep. It was miserable, man. I couldn't, no energy. I could, you know, I couldn't even get on the floor to play with them. Just wanted to lay on the couch all day. I look, I mean, I don't have kids, obviously, not yet anyways. And I look at the, I kind of just think about the life that I would want to have with my kids. Like what, what kind of things need to be laid in place before I have kids. And I know everybody tells me there's never a perfect time. You're never going to be ready. And I get all that. But there are certain things that I want to make sure I have in place before that happens. And one is that I want to make sure I've got the flexibility both financially and time wise to be able to, you know, never miss out on anything and like just interact with them as much as possible. But I got to imagine if you're, if you're, uh, you know, in an unhealthy part in life and like you've got a bunch of, you know, excess weight, I mean, it's gotta be tough, man. Like having your kids, you know, growing up and you're seeing them grow up and you just, don't have the health to be able to interact with them like you want to, because I mean, you'd, you'd be sitting on a couch watching them and you know internally what you want to do, but then not physically be able to do it. I mean, that's gotta be, it's gotta, that's gotta be hard, man. Yeah, it, it definitely was hard. I, I think the biggest, the biggest thing for me and the kids in that respect is, you know, when, when I was heavier and they were growing, you know, they're still growing up, they're only five and seven, but, they were still young to the point where, you know, they were running around the house, but they weren't active in sports and, you know, gymnastics and Girl Scouts and baseball and soccer like they are now. Um, so it was a wake up call for me. And I was like, these days are going to happen. We're going to be playing sports. We're going to be doing this. And I want to be able to go out there and coach baseball like I did last, last season for my son be out on the field, be active, throw the ball to all these kids. Like, this is huge. Like, I want to be involved in their lives physically versus just sitting on the couch and telling them what to do because I'm too tired to get up. You know, like, I want them to have good memories of things that daddy did with them versus just, you know, just dad being around and laying on the couch. So. Right. And you said having your doctor point out the skin tags and, uh, you know, kind of in line to be, Diabetic was the main 
catapulting factor that that kind of shifts you towards keto? It it was well, it did because my grandma has had all had Alzheimer's, and mm-hmm. the second I I saw that you know Alzheimer's is basically type three diabetes, um, I didn't I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for anybody. It's like I watched her decline over the over the years and. You know, she eventually passed away last December. But like, if if we can stop that, if we can, if keto, you know, carnivore or whatever can can help prevent Alzheimer's, I'm a hundred percent for it. So, I think that was my that was my major turning point. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be tough, man. I've I've never, I've never like I've had people in my family with Alzheimer's, but I was always too young to really, you know, recognize it or know what was going on. Um, I was just a kid when. I had someone that was still alive that had it, but I mean, when you got like a loved one, like your grandma, I mean, that's gotta be, <laughs> that's gotta be tough too. It all kind of goes back to family in my mind, you know, it all comes back to what can we do to, you know, provide more happy, healthy years with the people that we love and care about. And you look at, you know, people that are overweight, you look at people that have uh, diabetes, you look at people that have Alzheimer's, dementia. It's like, if you can even begin to, scratch the surface or tap the brakes on any of those, you know, diseases with a dietary protocol alone. I mean, I feel like you're, you're doing a, a disservice to your family if you don't, you know, like it's almost selfish if you don't. I, I completely agree. Um, so I, when I started my keto journey, um, I actually started feeding my grandma three times a week. And oh, really? Yeah. And so after work, I would, I would get off work and I would go feed her dinner because she was slowly forgetting to feed herself. And that was a constant drive for me, man. Like stay focused on my goals. Like, you know, the first couple of weeks when you're keto, you, you struggle, like, especially for somebody that's used to eating, you know, who knows how many carbs a day and, uh, going to feed her and help her out was my driving force to just keep focused. And once I got over that hurdle of, you know, no more carb cravings, it was smooth sailing. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't wish anything, you know, I don't wish Alzheimer's on anybody, man. It's, it's a, a slow, horrible disease to watch. And, uh, if we can prevent it, like I said, I'm, I'm all for it. Very cool, man. Totally agree. What about, um, so I kind of talk about the specifics of like your keto journey and what you learn. Cause a lot of people, you know, going 125 pounds down, like that's a, that's a lot of weight, man. I mean, that's, that's something that. People aspire to do they a lot, a lot of times. I think most people get into keto for the weight loss benefits. So I'm sure that probably wasn't just a, a linear progression. Like, what were some of the, you know, plateaus that you encountered, and how'd you go about keeping the momentum going? Uh, I'm a numbers guy, and I like to see things, you know, stay on a linear path. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it wasn't linear by any means. Um, so I, I track my food religiously every day. Um, if, if I would see my weight loss stall or, or, you know, go up rather, I would take a look back and I'd look at everything that I tracked and what I did and my activity level. And I'd be like, okay, what do I need to manipulate to keep going? And I would manipulate it. I would, I would mess around with my fat to protein ratios. Um, I would always keep my carbs around 25 to 30 grams total a day. Never, never tracked net carbs. I think I tracked net carbs at the beginning and then just watched my weight stay the same. So I was like, yeah, we're going to track total carbs from here on out. Um, but yeah, just tracking and manipulating and finding what works best for your body. Because I think a one size fits all macro ratio, like I don't, I don't believe in that. I mean, I did it first, but now I'm totally, totally different than your typical 70, 25 and 5%. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thrive more at a, like a 66 to 68% fat um, and a little higher protein just be, just simply because I'm a carnivore mainly now. Um, but yeah, that, that was my biggest, my easiest way to break any kind of uh, stall or, or increase in weight. A lot of people feel like just tracking religiously like that is uh, you know, detrimental. You become addicted to the numbers and it's not sustainable. Like I don't, I don't take that way. Like me personally, I, I prefer tracking and it gives me peace of mind instead of it gives me something to stress about, but I'm assuming the same is true with you. 
same thing. So we set goals for ourselves, right? So without setting a goal, for me, if I just go off the fly and, you know, it, and I don't track, like I'm setting myself up for failure personally. So because I have dealt with binge eating issues in the past, I don't like know, okay, this is what I'm having today. Um, this is what, you know, I've prepped for the day. If I don't have that, I, I go off the rails. I, I don't anymore because I've cured all that. But before when I first started, tracking was, was no option. Yeah. Do you prep all your, your meals in advance now? I do. I, I, every Sunday I cook my meals for myself and my wife um, for the entire week. For, well, you know, breakfast and lunch type, type deals, depending on what, we're, what our goals are. Sometimes we'll only do lunch, you know, over intermittent fasting. But, uh, but yeah, so like right now we're, we're trying to build muscle. So we're eating more breakfast, lunch, and dinner kind of, kind of deal, eating more meals a day. Um, but yeah, on the weekends, I'm a little more relaxed and don't track as much, but during the week I do. What does a, a Sunday meal prep day look like? You just fire up the grill and, uh, there's all these oh. memes about of you <laughs> cooking on the grill um, with your sunglasses on, so I assume that's what what it looks like. It does, man. It does. It, either pan frying some ground beef up or steaks. Um, but I, I eat. I, I'm a creature of habit, man. I eat the same thing every day for lunch, which is which is like a pound of ground beef and six eggs, like religiously. I've been doing it for probably the past eight months every day. Hmm. Uh, I just like simplicity. It it works so much better than trying to to try and you know figure out. All right, I've got nine ingredients. I got to make lunch with. You know, I've got nine different things I have to cook. And the wife is the same way because you know takes the brain work out of it for her because I I prep it all. You know. So. Yeah, totally, man. Do you notice? Um, like I've heard a lot of people if they eat the same thing without much variety, they start to develop a sensitivity to it. Um like an intolerance to it have you noticed that at all not on carnivore not on keto and carnivore now i did with when let's go back to when i lost weight the first time i was eating tuna fish every day and i got to the point where i couldn't eat tuna fish anymore so i, I don't maybe it's maybe it's the, it's the type of food they're eating i don't know but everything that i'm eating now doesn't bother me whatsoever hmm. i like it i like it I'm, I'm pretty much the same way i, I like to keep everything more or less routine. Um, I don't meal prep as much when I'm not in a competition prep, but when I'm in a competition prep, I've got mountains of, you know, pre-weighed, pre-measured, pre-cooked, you know, containers all in the fridge marked and ready to go. I think it just, I mean, there's a, like the Steve Jobs analogy of wearing the same thing every single day. Like he had enough going on in his mind, in his mind, in his life. He didn't need to, you know, allocate brain power to figuring out what he was going to eat and the same or what he was going to wear. The same thing is true with us. And like, if you got a goal, you got a lot of other things going on. If you're, you know, in a busy career path or whatever, you got family, the less allocation you could, you know, spend thinking of what you're going to eat, there's less chance of just going off the rails. Exactly. I, I spend two, two hours every Sunday meal prepping and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no telling how much time you save throughout the week by just doing that. It's a huge oh, time saver. Like people argue that they don't have time to meal prep, but it's like, how do you have time not to meal prep? That's right. Oh man, you have, trust me, you have time, brother. <laughs> people just don't want to carve it out. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of carnivore, man, what what made you go from keto to carnivore? What did that progression look like? So, when I was at work. Well, at work with coworkers, we'd always go to one of our local grocery stores at a salad bar, right? And we would get these huge salads every day. And uh, I started, you know, seeing more carnivore stuff pop up on Instagram and, and you know, social media. And Sean Baker popped up. And, you know, I, I was sitting there eating this salad. And 20 minutes later, I just felt lethargic. I just didn't feel good. Maybe, you know, maybe it was the mix of, all the variety of different things in the in the in the container who knows but i was like in june of last year i said man i'm just going to do 30 days i'm going to do a little self-experiment 30 days of strict carnivore which is basically ground beef steak bacon it, i mean it was simple carnivore i didn't do any um i didn't do any uh organ meat um but i ended up losing another 
remember, maybe it was like 15 pounds in one month on carnivore, and I just felt amazing. I started running every day, um, and so I, I, I basically just stuck with it. And you know, I, was, I, I haven't. The, I think the only vegetables I've had, if you want to even call it vegetables, is, is keto brick. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever called a keto brick a vegetable before. <laughs> well, like it's got, it. doesn't it have like what, what kind of protein does it, do you guys use? So we use a vegetable based protein because it absorbs a little bit better. So yeah, that's technically not carnivore, but uh, right. <laughs> the vegetable brick. <laughs> I think I think I was talking to Hannah, my wife, the other day. I was like, that has got to be the only vegetable I've consumed. And she's like, it's not a vegetable. I'm like, I know it's not what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, but, man. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had nuts here and there. Um, and what like about like cheeses pizza. and like heavy cream and stuff? Dairy. I'll, I'll do heavy cream on occasion. Um, depending on my goals, if I'm trying to just cut down and be lean and just, you know, smooth sailing, I'll, I'll get rid of the heavy cream and the cheese. But uh, I'm not a big cheese person anyway. So, I, I tend to stay away from that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all about it, man. Like I I'm not I don't brand myself as a carnivore. I don't I don't, you know, claim to be hardcore carnivore by any means, but when I'm like left to my devices, I just eat pretty much pure meat and bricks, really. Like I don't every once in a blue moon I'll have a big salad. Uh, I just like randomly crave a salad, so I'll eat a salad, but I I I don't feel any improvement in performance because of it. I just crave a different different something every once in a while I try it and it doesn't like I don't feel bad for eating it in the sense that like I don't feel like I'm going against any beliefs or whatever, but I feel like uh you the same way. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I mean, heck, we went to KetoCon and I probably had every single keto treat there was. Like I'm 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 far from your dogmatic carnivore. Um, yeah. I I still have uh keto treats here and there. I mean, heck, we got a whole box full of keto bricks yesterday in the mail. Like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bother me whatsoever to stray a little bit back into the keto space but uh yeah uh, otherwise you know i i can't i wanted to say like i got wrapped up in the whole dogmatic carnivore thing at first mm-hmm. and then i stepped back and i was like it's 2019 like yes we can make smarter choices um you know keto choices you know you can still have predominant or still eat a, a heavy carnivore diet and still dabble into keto and thrive just fine. Like where, where does the, where, where do we put a stop to, <laughs> to how extreme our views are, you know? Yeah. Like for me, like I don't, I don't view keto as I view carnivore as like a stricter subset of keto. That's kind of how I would classify it. Um, and, but then I don't look at keto as less than carnivore. Like I look at, Keto is just a little bit more, uh, more inclusive of different types of foods. But like, if you're performing well with keto, like I don't, I don't assume that you're automatically going to perform better with carnivore. And if you're performing well with carnivore, but you don't have any sensitivities to the stuff in the keto realm, there's no disadvantage by you know having more of the, you know, all inclusive foods that you would get in more of a, you know general keto approach. Um, I don't feel like they have to be mutually exclusive. I feel like just being keto, being carnivore in general is exponentially better than the alternative of you know high carbohydrate you know heavily processed foods so anything outside of that you're pretty much good oh for sure for sure what about the um uh there's a couple of things i want to dive into man so like let's talk about your your training because you know looking at you now you don't look like you were ever 325 pounds i mean you look you got veins all up in your arms and calves i mean you look like you're jacked all around like how i mean do you have like loose skin or any of that i do i have um a bunch of loose skin around my stomach and back area. you know like my love handle area is it self-conscious about it um i was at first um i've always been self-conscious of my weight you know just the way i look like my my chest i always had like the the man boobs you know Mm -hmm. and uh Back in high school, I would wear these these baggy baggy shirts that would hide my man boobs, and like so, so that still kind of bothers me on occasion. But uh, I've I've gotten to the point now, man, where I'm just I'm letting it be a reminder that you once made bad decisions, but now you're making better ones. 
so it keeps it keeps me going like i don't mind i go to the beach now i take my shirt off i don't care like i ran three miles on the beach a couple a month ago when we were down at 12 o'clock in front of everybody didn't bother me one bit now if you would have asked me to do that a year ago i would have told you no so it's kind of like a like a badge of honor almost a lot of people have a loose skin and and like really gets to them and they they want to get removed or something but i feel like if you you know made the decisions that you did that was the the place you were in life at one point you had a loose skin but you've overcome that and you're at a healthier place now it's almost like you know a badge of honor like be proud of that exactly yeah i'm i'm definitely proud i mean i look at myself now and compare myself to to back then and there's i mean i'll I'll gladly take the loose skin for my health yeah yeah for sure what about your kiddos man like how how do you approach uh you know eating with them in the household are they are they keto low carb or let them just be kids let's see our approach at my house um is whole whole food based um pretty much low carb we've gotten rid of most you know processed foods um no sugar you know they they still have things that have sugar in it it's just very low sugar amounts like we've totally switched to um like simple mills products like they're their treats and their cookies and their, you know, chips that are grain free, that are made from cassava root, um, stuff like that. But we, we prioritize animal protein and fat first. Um, so steak, you know, if I eat a steak every night, the kids get a steak too, mm-hmm. or ground beef, a chicken, or some, some kind of animal protein. Like they've, we've been cooking beef tongue a lot lately and they tear it up. How do you like, cook that? Cause I've, I've cooked it once, but I don't know if I did it right. You just do it and put it in a crock pot for eight eight hours on low, and then you pull it out. You pull the 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 tongue layer off, and then you just shred it with two forks, man. That's more or less what I did. It's pretty good, man. I mean, it's like it's like a, a shredded beef almost. And that's what it, it is. is. <laughs> that's what it is. But but uh... yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so you can take you can take the shredded beef and put it in a pan and like put some put some barbecue. I, I like the calypso. Mm-hmm. Um, seasoning and just put a little bit of, you can either take some fat off the tongue because it's very fatty it's actually it's pretty equal ratio but uh and i'll just pan fry crisp it up and the kids devour it it's good stuff man really good stuff oh. and it's pretty cheap too like tongue is i mean it's not normally a high priced ticket item so like it's pretty reasonably priced yeah i think we're getting it for like four dollars a pound yeah ain't too bad are, are you are your kids kind of like did they fight the whole low-carb, uh, anti-processed foods for a while? Or was that a pretty smooth transition? No, it was it was rough at first. Um, my son, he's not real big on eating eggs or, or beef or any like, protein source. He just wants all the carbs. So that was the biggest challenge. And now he's like, give me all the eggs, give me all the ground beef. Like, I'll take it all. So I think it's just being consistent with it and – constantly saying hey man this is what we have to eat tonight <laughs> uh you either eat it or you go to bed hungry like it sounds rough but you know, we don't need to eat every five minutes so and he, you know we would sit there for 30 45 minutes and he'd eventually eat and now it's the point where he's like dad can i have some beef tongue can i have some pork rinds or you know i want bacon and eggs for breakfast so it's it's uh it's getting better um but the, the the biggest fight is you know where what they eat elsewhere, um, like school, and well, I mean we make their lunches, and um, you know constant. You know they get they get treats here and there. We don't deprive them of like all the fun and joy. Like if they go to a birthday party, like they'll have the cupcakes or they'll have the ice cream. But they know now, like Dad, I don't feel well, and it was because of the cupcake and the ice cream. So I was like, well, you guys need to make better choices. You know, well I don't say directly to them you need to make better choices but i said well just remember that next time you know remember how you felt the next time you have that option and you know make make the best choice you think is best you know so that's the yeah. approach we kind of that's good man i feel like I've, I've asked that question a lot of people that have kids in the keto space and they all pretty much say something similar if, if you try and like force it upon your kids it's just like a recipe for disaster you know with anything in life if you're trying to force it upon them they're <laughs> by default gonna push back you know yeah, well, my son looked at me the other day and he's like, Dad, 
when I'm big and strong like you, I'm going to do keto. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's cool, man. That's awesome. You know, that's, that's awesome. You want to, you want to eat healthy and just left it at that. So, I mean, just they, they, they respond more to watching what you do versus telling them what to do. Yeah. And, And I'm a big believer in letting them make their own choices, you know, within reason, of course, but, um, making your own choices and, and just like eating the cupcake or the ice cream or, or whatever. And then noticing, Hey, my stomach doesn't feel good. You know, that's a choice they'll, they'll remember to make on their own later versus me saying, Oh no, you can't have that. For sure, man. For sure. Do you notice, um, like when you, when you dabble back into some of the, uh, you know, more all inclusive keto foods, like, do you notice any, any GI distress or anything? Probably not equivalent to what they would feel with a cupcake, but like if you're pretty much strict carnivore the majority of the time, if you go and have like a, you know, something or other that's that's keto but not carnivore, does it affect you negatively at all? Not really, unless it's sugar alcohol. Yeah. Sugar alcohol turns me into a bloated mess, man, and I feel like garbage. So I I just I stay away from it. Yeah, I try and stay away from it as well. It's just not good. No, not at all. Some of these keto foods, man, there are these treats out there. I looked at one, I can't remember what it was, but it was like 14 grams of erythritol in this tiny little bar. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's frustrating for me. I mean, like with me having Keto Brick and having a, a food product myself, I'm constantly looking at other food products. And I've just been getting frustrated, man. Like the fact that, you know, this whole community, this whole movement is based on the idea of like better quality higher nutrient dense foods and just taking out the noise and you bring in all these, you know, new products that are higher in carbs. Like, first of all, if it's marketed as a keto product, they'll slap the word keto on that label somewhere to get the buzzword flowing. But then they'll, I'll look at the label and there'll be higher carbs than any other macronutrient, but it'll say super low net carbs because it's basically just pure erythritol or something. And like that just, that just grabs me, man. I get frustrated. And and then somebody wonders why their their weight loss is stalling. Yeah, dude, I I can go eat one of those keto treats right now and get on the scale the next morning and I'm up like seven pounds. Yeah, yeah, ton of water retention. Water. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you didn't, you know, you probably didn't gain the weight back. You're just eating crap. <laughs> yeah, and the way I think of it is, I need to be consuming something that's adding you know, some positive benefit. Like I don't want to just eat to eat for the sake of eating. Like it's got to be bringing some value to my, to my body, to my health, to my performance. And if it's just pure erythritol and I'm just going to get bloated and retain a bunch of water from it, I mean, no, no amounts of, you know, short-term pleasure and taste is going to outweigh the the downside. And, and honestly, the, the taste isn't that great. Like it's just not worth it. No, not at all. Go, go eat two pounds of steak and let me know how you feel. Yeah, exactly. Okay probably feel like superman yeah you feel fine yeah so so talk to me man what about um like on a macro level like i said i'm not super deep into the carnivore space but i follow i mean i follow all the carnivores and i'm I'm all about what information they're putting out there but there seems to be like this total battle war clashing right now amongst the vegans and the carnivore i feel like it's ramping up in intensity (laughs) is that the vibe you're getting oh yeah for sure well, you've, there, you've got the guys. You've got the guys that constantly stir the pot. Yeah, you know, on both sides. So, yeah, I, I kind of stay. I kind of stay neutral and don't. I don't. I don't I, like. I do a lot of silly memes on Instagram. It's just fun and funny. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think I've done a one vegan one. Like I try and keep to myself. Like I'm going to do me, and they can do them. Like that's the easiest way to go through life, right? So, um, I, I kind of try and stay away from all the drama. And if and if I see the drama starting to pop up like on my page, like I'll instantly squash it. Like I don't, I don't have time for it, you know. Yeah, that's a good way to be, man. I mean, kind of like with your kids, you're leading by example. Like this is what I do; it works well for me. If you're interested, feel free. But the whole, I mean, I don't know. I just get frustrated seeing people spending time and effort, and energy to create negativity in the space. Like, why is that even worth your while? You know. It's not worth their while at all. They're just, I don't know, maybe they just want attention. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it either. I mean, I understand, you know, there's some politics and, you know, ve, you know, going vegan and there's a lot of money being spent 
in areas where, you know, like, I know Arnold Schwarzenegger is coming out with a, a film about being a vegan, and then you've got, you know, the new fat documentary out, which they kind of clash, and it's just ah, propaganda, man. It's, it's, it's all, I think it's all based around money. I really do. I, I don't doubt it, man. I mean, wherever there's a dollar to be had, that's where people are going to be, but I don't know. It's it's just frustrating. I feel like the the carnivore movement would gain a heck of a lot more traction if they just ignored the vegans oh, and then just I kept totally doing what agree. they did. You know, totally agree. Just keep keep improving health, keep sharing the stories of people improving your health, and let those testaments and stories speak for themselves. Period. That's all. Proof is in the. I don't want to say pudding. Proof is in the steak. You know. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And I don't have any. I don't have anything against vegans. I mean, I was messaging with one the other day. I mean, more power to him. I mean, I've got, I got love for everybody, but I don't like anybody right. saying that they're better than anybody. And I feel like, you know, as long as you're doing what works for you and you're sharing that message, then you're not claiming to be better than anybody. You're just showing what works for you, which is a a good healthy way to go about it, in my opinion. Um, exactly. Totally agree. Now, one thing, and this, again, this is not going to be going for all vegans because I don't want to group anybody, but a lot of vegans assume that um, hunters are just like spawned from the devil himself or something. I'm not really sure. But uh, you and I are both hunters. So let's dive into yeah. that a little bit. So, yeah, um, I've, I've, I'll give you a little story. I took my daughter on her first turkey hunt and, uh, we ended up having like nine jakes come out into the field and I was waiting for the big old Tom, you know, the big gobbler. And I was like, you know what? She's, this is her first turkey hunt. I'm going to just go ahead and take a jake. So I shot one of the jakes and uh, a buddy of mine is a writer for one of the local newspapers. And he did an article on my daughter, you know, her first turkey hunt and how we enjoy time together out in the woods and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so the article went on Facebook and, um, and, you know, it, in the paper and on Facebook and the vegans slash anti hunters came out of the woodwork and telling me that I was teaching my daughter how to be a ruthless murderer, a you know, blood hungry murderer, how she was going to end up being one of those mass shooters. Like, it, it was relentless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, how could you teach this little four year old girl that killing is acceptable? And I'm like, Man, if you only knew that once we got up to this bird, we said our prayer, we thanked it for its, you know, sacrifice and for nourishing our family, like, ah, it, it just, it, again, it goes the, back to being, just being positive and just replying with positivity and just showing them that, hey, man, you can't phase me. Like, none of this, none of this, Matt, your, your comment or your, you know, your bad comments towards my daughter will not phase me at all. So, but yeah, the backlash is there, man. It's unfortunate because so much of that just stems from, from just ignorance. You know, like I feel like you have to take the time to educate yourself a little bit before you go out there spewing hate comments. And I mean, you do. most hunters I know, there there are definitely some bad apples as there are with any any niche. There's some hunters that, that are ruthless and bloodthirsty and that's just not cool. That's not acceptable. I, I have no respect would, for those people. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider them hunters. But yeah, no, I totally, totally get it. But as a whole, I feel like most hunters, like all the hunters that I actually interact with and engage with, they are better stewards of the land and more conscious of animal welfare and like, what can I do to improve the longevity of this herd? You know, that type of mentality than any vegan I've ever talked about that's, you know, in the, the hunting space and, and, you know, just clashing with the hunters. It's like hunters that, that hunt and have a have a sense of integrity about themselves, they're doing everything in their power to make sure that the, the herds stay healthy um, and that the land is there for generations to come. Exactly. Our, our hunting license and I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but anytime you buy a certain firearm, a percentage of that sale goes to conservation. So mm -hmm. we're we're paying by buying our licenses. We're paying for the land to be conserved. We're paying for all this public land, you know. So it's you know, what what are you what are you what are you supporting out there by going to the grocery store and buying a bunch of vegetables? I mean, 
Hey, you're definitely not supporting uh, the wild the wildlife unless you're directly making a uh, donation to some random vegan fund. I don't know. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, I don't know enough about the vegan you know community to so to speak intelligently about it. I mean, maybe they're making some huge. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's some great organizations out there that are making a huge impact in a positive way. Like, I don't want to discredit that at all. But there's also a lot of, I mean, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with Ted Nugent. Uh, Ted Nugent's quite the character. Um, but Ted Nugent went off the rails about, like, how uh, the vegan, like, you know, plantations and whatnot with the, you know, herbicides, pesticides, all the runoff, all the, uh, destruction to make that farmlands killing more animals than any hunter ever could. <laughs> I mean, like he had a pretty good point, pretty good argument. Yeah. Well, see, see, uh, like in Virginia, um, they give what they, the state gives kill permits to farmers mm-hmm. and they give them an allotted amount of deer that they can go out and kill at nighttime because of crop damage. So, like, I'm not saying like the state is wrong for doing that, but at the same time, like where does the, you know, cause they're, they're going out killing 10, 20 deer a night and not eating it. Right. And some, well, I, I, some of them, I'm sure. In, in one, yeah. There's some of them do, some of them throw them in a pile. So yeah, it's, there's a huge world out there that of practices that I don't agree with even in the hunting community, but it's a different topic for a different time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like hunting and just a, a hunting is a, a great way for me to get outside, you know, get out from behind a desk and a computer and be one with, you know, the nature and the wildlife around me and then have a respect for it. And then if I'm lucky enough to, to, you know, have a successful harvest, then I'm very grateful for that meat and I use it to every morsel that I can from it. Like I don't take it for granted. And I feel like if you have that type of approach and you're, you know, adding more value than you're taking, then you're not doing anything wrong by any means. I mean, life, that's just a circle of life. I mean, it's, it's been going on for since life was a thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, you wake up in the early morning, you get dressed, you walk out to your tree stand in the, pitch black and you wake up with nature you wake up with the sunrise like there's nothing better than that nothing at all like no cell phone just you the deer walking under you you don't even you know they don't even know you're there like just being away from everything and experiencing that i think if everybody were to experience that they would it would it would change their mind about hunting yeah even even without the skill even without the harvest and uh you know being out there is is I, i I'm successful every day, whether I kill something or not, because um, it's my time to disconnect. Hundred percent, man. And there's something about like being like disconnecting outdoors versus anywhere else. I mean, I can be stressed and just overwhelmed from everything with the business and employees and malfunctions, just whatever. But then if I go outside and I'm like disconnected from, I mean, if I go out hunting in the deep woods, I mean, there's no cell phone service anyway, so. I might as well not even have it on me, but I, I go out there and I'm completely unplugged. Like the, the degree of refreshment that I get from that, when I come back, I'm able to perform at a much higher rate because I've actually been able to truly disconnect and then take a, like a, um, you know, a recharge moment. Yeah. You, you get to reflect on life and you get to look at the things that you take for granted and say, Hey, I shouldn't take this for granted. Like this is, I'm blessed, you know, so that's, that's, that's my biggest thing. I feel like hunting and like the keto slash carnivore movement, I mean, I feel like it goes hand in hand. Like if you're, again, there are some uh, vegan keto people out there, which is, I mean, more, more power to you, props to you. Um, That'd be a hard diet for me to, to live off of. But I feel like (laughs) generally speaking, most people in the keto and obviously in the carnivore space, they're eating a bunch of meat. Um, So I feel like it's, it's kind of like, a, I don't expect everybody that eats keto or carnivore to be a hunter, but I feel like if that's an interest of theirs, you know, even in the smallest degree, it's it's worth pursuing and then seeing if you can become a part of that because it's like if you're going to be, you know, going to the grocery store and eating meat, I feel like you owe it to your meat source to know where that comes from 
and respect it. And you can't really do that on a deeper level unless you've been through and seen all parts of that circle, you know? Exactly. I actually did a, a post on it a couple of weeks ago. It, it, exactly on this topic. I was like, if you, if you eat meat and you have the opportunity to go hunt and experience the full, you know, the full, the full circle of harvesting the animal, you know, butchering the animal, you know, figuring out what cuts of meat or what, you know, just looking at the anatomy of the animal and being more connected with the food. The second you put that venison or even if you go slaughter a cow with somebody, like the second you put that in your mouth, like the connect the connection with food is 10 times greater than it was just going to the grocery store and buying a steak. Like zero connection. It's mindless. You know, it's mindless. So it, it, dude, as soon as I kill a deer, whether it be at my house or on a property somewhere else, I mean, there's a, there's a backstrap on the grill within an hour. <laughs> yeah. So, and you're so much less we're, likely we're, to waste food, man. Like I get so perturbed with the amount of food waste, especially in America. Like it just makes me sick. Um, I'm totally oh, with the vegans in that regard. Like they look at meat that gets thrown away and that makes me sick too. So, I mean, I'm on the vegan side no, there, no, but, but yep. if you're hunting your food, I mean, it's like a, a, it's like a cardinal sin to kill something and then not, you know, make the most of it. So like if you're a hunter, by default, you just got ingrained in you not to throw away anything that's left over. Like you, you save it, you make leftovers with it. I mean, you, you consume it one way or another. That's right. So, so have you ever um, taken like the liver or the heart? I mean, the heart or any of the organs from the deer? Yeah. So we actually, uh, it's a lamb, not a deer, but we have a my folks raise lamb, and I went over there two weekends ago, I think, and we slaughtered a couple. We slaughtered three. And I got the hearts, the livers, and then I ground all that up into burgers. Nice, nice. So, so I've I haven't ever taken. I've I've had deer heart, but I've never taken the liver or anything else. But that's my goal this year. The first deer that I kill, I'm I'm gonna save it all. Like I'm gonna look into the different ways to use all the organs. And I'm gonna make. I'm gonna try bone broth out of the bones. Like I'm I'm gonna go all out on this next deer. You should, man. I've never done it with the deer that I've killed either because there's been some that have had, um, oh shoot, what's that, what's that disease a lot of the deer have? Drawn a blank chronic, on it. Chronic waste. Yeah, chronic wasting disease. So like I've been kind of wary uh, about all of that, but I guess if you get it tested or something, a lot, a lot of the states that have like check stations, you can just go and they'll test it. I'm not really sure how that works, um, but if, I'm sure if the deer is looking healthy and you're like, you know, you know, quartering it and processing it, you'll be able to tell if there's any issues. And if it looks clean, then you might as well just oh. save all that. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I don't eat some deer. I've actually taken that they were very sickly, and you could just tell they needed to, you know, in 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 their misery, and then we'll just bury them because they're not safe to eat. Right. Um, you don't want the deer to suffer either. But yeah, no. If it if it looks completely healthy, then I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, that's something that I'm going to do a lot this season too. I was I had Zach Griffith on the podcast, and he's a big hunter. And every time he kills a I mule did. deer, you listen, you listen to that one. Oh yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was good. Yeah, he was saying that he just he he brings these bags with him when he goes hunting up in the high country, and then he'll just like have a bag, and he'll put all of the uh, like all the all the meat, obviously, but then all of the organ meats, everything, and then he just takes it to his uh, processor that he knows personally. And then he just grinds it all up into to burger patties. And then he just has a, a huge freezer full of all of these venison burger patties that have all the organ meats in it. And that to me is like perfect. Like op- opening up a freezer and seeing all that would be probably one of the most beautiful sights ever. Heck yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. That's a great idea. Great idea. Just have everything ground up into burgers. Not, I don't think I could grind up backstrap, but well, all the yeah, rest you of it. You can't do that. Or the tenderloins. You can't, you can't grind up tenderloins either. No, exactly. No, heck no, man. I I don't No, Those are the first thing to go on the grill. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what about, um, you you do mostly bow hunting, right? Or a little bit of everything? Um, no, I do everything, man. Um, bow, rifle, shotgun. Um, I actually dabbled in, or I still do. I have an an air rifle now. Um, it it fills up to 3000 PSI and shoots a 142 grain little 357 bullet. Really? And uh yeah man, it's 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 crazy, dude. I took um I killed a couple deer in my so so where I live is an urban area where it's it's either bow only or the air rifle is legal as well. 
and uh, for big game. And it just has to be 357 or, or higher. And uh, so my daughter took her first deer with it last year. Um, you know, she was six years old, all by herself, put the crosshairs right on this big doe and, and put the put it right in the right right in between the, the heart and the lungs. And she, she dropped in like maybe like 10 feet. But uh, but yeah, that the air rifle is awesome. It, it, it's it's kind of more of a challenge like bow hunting because it's not a far the projectile doesn't go far. Yeah. Um, What's the range on that? Like we try and keep it within what yardage? About 50 yards. 50 yards? No more than 50. So it kind of gives you a break. And like being where we're at, um, you know, for backyard purposes and the kids, there's zero recoil. Um, so the kids can shoot it all day long with, without a, a sore shoulder or getting, you know, being gun shy from the recoil. And then, um, you know, it just gives you a break too. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like carrying my bow today. Like I, I just want to sit there and, <laughs> If I'm gonna just go try and kill a doe or something, I'll, I'll take the air rifle. And just, it's easy. Pretty much like an end, end, of, end of the season deal. That's cool, man. That's cool. This will be my first year bow hunting, so I'm super excited to to see if I can get something with the bow. Man, I've been practicing pretty much daily, and I'm going scouting this weekend to find bow spots. But it'll be a, it'll be a challenge for sure. So yeah, man, y'all y'all have pigs up there, right? We do indeed. We do indeed. We have a ton of pigs. Um, I mean, honestly, where I'm at in Arkansas, where our farm is, we have, we got everything, man. We got pigs, we got gators, obviously plenty of deer, um, but pretty much everything that is native to Arkansas, they're actually starting to bring in turkeys, right? Yeah, turkeys. We have turkeys, not a whole lot of turkeys, but we have plenty of turkey. Um, they're starting to bring in elk in northwest Arkansas, so for long, nice. we'll be able to hunt elk in Arkansas, which would be sweet. Yeah, they're they're doing the same thing in Virginia. They have um they flew a bunch in from Colorado, and they have them in a couple of fenced in areas that where they're growing the herd, and they've I think they're slowly releasing them, and they're only huntable in certain counties, which is like six hours away from me. But eventually, the the goal is to have them all over the state, which would be phenomenal because you know hunting whitetail is awesome, but who wouldn't want to kill a, a bull elk that weighs a thousand pounds or whatever they weigh you know yeah it's just way more meat in the freezer plus i don't know something eerie about the the bugle of an elk it's just like unlike anything else that's the best sound ever man it's like it's like early morning spring gobbler hunting and you're calling a bird in and all of a sudden he pops up behind you and gobbles in your ear Mm -hmm. oh my god (laughs) yeah i love it man i'm getting like this this weekend i said i'm gonna be scouting for you know good bow spots but just I don't know, like this, this podcast getting me all hyped up, man. I'm going to go pick up a deer stand uh, at Bass Pro this afternoon, get some more arrows. I'm going to be shooting a bunch while I'm down there to so get some more arrows for practice. Um, I'm, I'm getting excited, man. Season is getting close. Once you start, once once the leaves start changing and, and things start cooling off a little bit, that's when you know it's time to time to get things underway. Oh, I, yeah. I walked outside. Well, like two days ago, the temperature dropped, and it was like almost to the point where you kind of felt a chill in the air. And then my instantly, my head went to, "Why don't I have camo on? And why am I not in the tree stand?" Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. What about um, uh, like I'm thinking about hunting as a whole, and I feel like there's people probably listening to this that would be interested in getting into it, but they don't even know where to start because they weren't raised that way. I'm assuming your folks probably hunting. Actually, they they didn't really. They didn't. No, I um. I grew up uh, fishing a lot. I was in the Boy Scouts, you know, got my got my Eagle Scout in 2000. So I camped and fished um, religiously almost like uh, every summer and whatnot. And I always wanted to go hunting, but my family never hunted. And uh, so I think it was my, I think it was like right after my senior year in high school, I went with a buddy and uh, killed my first deer and have been hooked ever since. So I've only been hunting for, I'm 34 now so i would say probably 15 years maybe nice man so, i mean it's 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 enough but you know never never killed anything when i was little so which which is awesome for my kids because you know like i said my daughter's killed a turkey and a deer and she's not you know she's not even eight years old yet so so you doing most of your hunting like on public land and everything then um no um my buddy has a parcel of land up the street from me and um i hunt here at the house so it's it's crazy, man. I I planted um, my backyard and some food plot stuff, and 
there isn't a night where I can go outside on the deck and slowly creep around the corner and see five or six deer in the backyard. That's cool. So it's it's yeah the back the backyard like you know summer patterns with deer they don't they you know they they're very they're not they don't care you're there during the summertime but as soon as the magic happens and the chase starts like you don't see them so it's 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 not as easy as I'm making it sound um, but. Yeah. But yeah, actually I killed my I killed my biggest buck in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah. That's good. You can just like walk yeah, out with yeah, a cup of coffee yeah. and <laughs> yeah, No, it was it wasn't that. I was actually up a tree, but um <laughs> I knew he he, he 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 was um I had two does in the backyard and all of a sudden I was watching them and I heard something grunting. I was like, Oh, here he comes and he was um he was twenty two inches wide, a mainframe eight with a couple stickers on the back and uh he showed up and it was only like a 26 yard shot and double lunged him and he ran like five yards and peeled over he's up on the wall now so but yeah it was it was fun but yeah i, I have hunted public land in the past um i've killed my biggest turkey on public land a 24 pound bird with inch and quarter spurs and so so i would say probably a an, an even amount of public to private nice nice what what would you uh advice for anybody that's wanting to get into it but doesn't even know where to start so first off it, you know i would take a hunter safety course which they lay out a lot a lot of the ground rules and kind of what to do and what to look for in those courses those are required i'd um, like if you're born after what is it 72 i think yeah yeah i'm not sure it might be different from state to state um but you can do them online but i think they're not i mean the online's great and everything but Normally, when somebody's teaching this class, they're seasoned and they know what they're talking about. So going and actually getting the experience from somebody in a classroom setting and, you know, having somebody actually speak to you versus watching graphics on a computer screen telling you how to go hunt is totally different. Yeah. Um, and then and then just find a mentor. I mean, it, it's sad, but there's a lot of people out there like, no, this is my hunting ground. Like, you're not touching it. This is, you know, my honey hole. Like... To me, I'm like, I don't even care anymore. I just I want others to experience what I experience. And I've taken out several people to go kill their first deer. And I didn't even take take a take a weapon. Like mm-hmm. and I knew there were big bucks roaming around. Like if, if I could see them get that big buck, then heck yeah. Like I it doesn't bother me anymore. Like I'm like primal bro, Ben is coming down. He's in Virginia, so he's coming down this year. I'm gonna put him on his first deer. Um just you know, stuff like that. But you know, finding a mentor taking a class, um, a firearms class might be a good idea. Um, if you're going to hunt with a gun and you don't have any, you know, background on guns, but you know, and then in respect to bow hunting, I would go find an archery shop and, and have the archery shop set you up and show you how to shoot. Normally a lot of the shops have ranges so you can practice and just spending time out in the woods. Like in, in for one is don't expect it to happen the first time. Yeah, that's for you know, sure. I, I remember, I I remember one season I didn't kill a deer until the last day. Like I got frustrated. I was going to quit. Like, but just with anything else, persistence pays off. Like consistently go out there, try your best and it'll eventually happen. Yeah. It's good advice, man. Good advice. There's a lot of, there's a difference between deer shooting and deer hunting. And if it's called hunting for a reason, like you don't always get one. (laughs) Oh, exactly. Exactly. I I went down to Georgia this past year to, um, to hunt pigs and it was the first year in like six years i hadn't gotten one so don't don't get me wrong i shot at a couple but i missed them mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but you know that that happens too so you've got that factor you know you miss some you get some and it's all it's all the experience in a whole that i think people need to really if, if you're a carnivore if you're a meat eater definitely try and pursue it 100 percent, man i'm gonna start incorporating a lot more of the hunting into my you know keto brand because I feel like it's important. Um, I feel like if I'm sharing the message on how to you know eat this way, I feel like I have to be well rounded in that approach and also preach the message on you know having respect for the animals that I am eating and how to you know harvest those animals, process those animals, uh, prepare that food. So I think that's what I'm gonna start that's doing right. a lot more. I lo- I really like that video you um. You had with Danny out at the farm when he got his, maybe it was his first deer. Or yeah. Maybe it was yeah. That was cool, man. That, that was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah, man. Like seeing somebody get their first deer and actually experiencing like the butchering and like 
it's dude it's everything to me like seeing my, like my daughter when we killed her deer man we just we drug it into the garage and instantly started going and she held me every single part of the way like she had her gloves on i handed her back straps she was holding ziploc bags for me like it's amazing yeah that's what it's all about man that's what it's all about yeah. well cool deal brother where can people go to to find out more about you and follow along man see if you get a deer this year or not um i'm just predominantly on instagram right now and it's uh at keto carnivore king so plus keto.carnivore.king so yeah, it's a pretty just, good uh, Instagram name, by the way. You found a good one, man. Hey, and then the wife, I'm gonna plug her too. She she followed on. She she kind of got more on board with the keto stuff after KetoCon and seeing the whole family deal. And so she's Keto Carnivore Queen. So yeah, it it flows. Pretty good name. I like it. I like it. Well, cool deal, man. Let's definitely stay in touch. And then I'd I'd love to get you up here to, to my farm. We'll go hunting for pigs or deer or whatever. Um. So let's let's definitely get that set up. A big keto hunt. That'd be awesome. Shoot yeah, man. We'll have like a, a big all the keto influencers do like a little powwow and just, you know, harvest the food. <laughs> we'll show people how to process the meat, what the macros are, all that jazz. Heck yeah. Hey man, you, you let me know when and we'll make it happen. Love it. Love it. Well, Brandon, pleasure as always, man. Let's definitely keep in touch and I'll talk to you soon, brother. We'll do. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. You bet. Take care.